I love movies. Gosh, I love movies. Here we go. How's it going, everyone? Welcome to the Grindhouse Podcast with Dave and Matt. Take two. If you guys are following me on social media, you'll know that we recorded this whole podcast yesterday. And, uh, well, Skynet once again attacked us. And so we're re-recording today. So I apologize for the continual late uh, uploadings of the podcast, but we're doing the best we can with what we have. It, How are things it attacked going over us in, uh, in the form of a dusty old overheating well, MacBook. We, well, we don't know that's what happened. <laughs> We, don't, we have no idea why that. Basically, I lost all of my audio, which is the most important part of the show, clearly. So, uh, It's pretty important if you're doing a podcast that you get that audio. Even if you do have some sort of YouTube version of it that you've been doing recently, you're still going to want the, the core audience to get their, their audio. So Yeah. So hopefully yeah. So, the, the, that high-tech Skynet dust that has filled Dave's MacBook is not going to... Um, you know, delete the audio again today. Hey guys, this is Dave for a quick interruption. In spite of our best efforts, this show was in fact affected by Skynet. And so you'll notice as you listen to the recording that sometimes my audio changes from sounding like this to sounding like I'm in the middle of a forest surrounded by crickets and a fireplace. And that's because in order to not have to record this show for a third time, and to get you guys an episode that we're really happy with, we decided to use some scratch track that we got from our Oculus uh, VR headset. So we hope you guys enjoy it and we thank you guys for bearing with us. And once again, apologies for the technical issues. Hope you guys enjoy the episode. I think Hopefully no, not. You, you, Hopefully you, not. You, something about, you said it was about five years old now and you've never cleaned yeah. it. So I do know what it looks like inside. I've, <laughs> I've got enough experience with this to know. <laughs> Maybe I'll go buy some canned of, of compressed air. It'd be a but, start. Um, yeah. how, how, how are things in, in Tejas these days, Matt? Things are good. We're still, uh, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a weird environment right now because uh, half the state is uh, living free and loving life, uh, at least at the moment. They're, they're out there. They don't need masks anymore. Their, their freedoms are no longer inhibited. They've, they've gotten the evil government off their back and they're just doing what they want. And then the other half of us is just kind of sitting at home watching and going like, okay, what the hell is this going to lead to? Cause uh, a thousand new cases a day. Well, we're at some, yeah, we've broken some records now uh, daily. So yeah, about it. And I think it, I hope it's not a thousand a day. I don't think it is, but we've broken some records daily since we've just gone full, uh, you know, jump in without even dipping a toe. We're, we're just, yeah, we're just going wild out here in Texas. So, you know, it's crazy. If you, if you saw any of those pot, those, the protests that were, you know, springing up all over the place, including California. Yeah. Like, did you see anyone request like, you know, you know, the, the argument that they had to be, you know, let out of quarantine and what have you like, uh, you know, was there anyone that you saw that was like, I got to be let out of quarantine because I want to do this cool one act play or like uh, I got to be let out of quarantine because I got a band and we're playing music or uh, I got to be let out of quarantine so I can make this cool artistic film that's really speak to this generation. Did you see any of that? I No, I mean, I didn't really see 
I don't really know a lot of people's motivations. I did see something about a woman that uh, opened up her gym, you know, like as far, like gyms are supposed to be a place where you go to get healthy, but she was thinking, well, maybe we have a gym where you get sick, so let's open it up, but please shut that down. But mostly, yeah. I, I, mostly people have been pretty vague. They're just kind of like, Something I want Applebee's my rights, you know, and I and want Baskin Robbins. And like really, it seems like everyone was clamoring to get back to really crappy chain restaurants. Uh, maybe the owners were. I don't know about the employees of that. I don't know. I saw people. But, uh, well, we'll stay safe. Yes. Um, I noticed that uh, you brought some of your facial hair back, albeit with uh, within mask regulation. Well, yeah, yeah. That's what I've been telling you. This Because uh, we, we actually finally uh, face chatted. Uh, what do you call it? It's face chat, right? The, I don't yeah, know. The face FaceTime. Face that's the that's the Apple one. We do oh, the right. Facebook one. Oh yeah. Face, face chat. Chat. Face mes- messenger. Messenger. Face messenger. We face messengered each other, and you got to see that this yeah this this mustache on my avatar is is really happening in real life too. I look, I because I, I shaved off completely. And then I thought, you know what? You need a little something. You need something, you know. So I yeah. started with the cop mustache, but then I drew, grew out the soul patch, and now I'm, I've got what I call a, a healthy painter's mustache going. Uh, I like it. Happy with that it. Thank sort you. of adds to the overall artistic look. Yes, it goes good with sunglasses and uh, that above the waist denim that I was talking about a couple of weeks ago. It's. A, uh, I think. It, oh yeah, that's right. You yeah. should post a photo on our social media and you in a full Canadian tuxedo with your painter's goatee and uh, some, <laughs> some cool shades now it's not a goatee now goatees are for people from the future uh with bald heads and i'm not one of them or satanists wait what <laughs> goatees that's uh, people from the future yeah, oh it, like evil like you mean like the evil versions of you no 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 like i i think that like people from the future have like remember that when we used to work at the coffee shop and there'd be all those guys with like bald head glasses goatee and i would always call them future mans Dude, those were Scientologists. Oh, my hand is <laughs> freaking out. Uh, anyway, those are that they could have been. Were they? No, no, no. no. They, 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 they were. were. Like you, you spoke with them. And yeah. They were Scientologists. Yeah. Well, remember? I'll okay, be. so a little bit of a story. Matt and I years ago used to work at a Barnes and Noble, slinging coffee, and um, and there used to be these people from the history. It was right across from the University of Texas. Stop fussing with your hands. It's, Pay it's not, the podcast. I think it's the sunlight coming through. Hold on a second. I'm gonna. All right. I'm gonna shut the Tell blinds. Tell my cool story. Yeah, it's a, shut no, the blinds. This is a good story. I'll be right back. So years ago, Matt and I used to work at a Barnes and Noble slinging coffee right across from the University of Texas. And we used to have these people that would come in, including, we had, we had a lot of regulars, I guess is what I'm saying, and um, including one Mike Judge. Remember Mike Judge used to come in all the time? Of course, that was so cool. Creator yeah. of Beavis and Butthead and King of the Hill and um, what was the other, the, the office, office space? Yes, um, Cre- creator of many woozy ladies when he would come in. I'll tell you what, you see Mike, <laughs> you've seen him in office space, you know, you've seen him in... Uh, extract and he doesn't look like much but man when he comes in he's a fit guy carries a vanity cane always dresses really nice i mean surfer dude the girls would go nuts when mike judge came in the store that's right that's right but who also came in the store were these um these people who i guess as you would say matt kind of looked like they were from the future yes like they, they had like a very modern but like 
very modern, like futurist modern sort of arty look. Bald like head. Like, like people who are really into steampunk probably kind oh. of dress like this also. No, I'm not. So those aren't the future man's. The future man, it's, it's bald head, goatee, glasses, and then a fleece jacket from North Face. That's the future man's. Well, those was long story short, those ended up being Scientologists. And one of our coworkers actually got recruited for a little while because he was interested in a girl. Oh, and so he got himself. Remember that? Who was John, Jeremiah? Maybe? No, his name was John, John? something. Uh, who's the guy, the guy that from the Roanoke colony? Because um, that John was Smith? his. Yeah. Yeah. It was John Smith. That was his name? Yeah, it was. <laughs> And uh, yeah, God, I remember that. I, I had it was I had hadn't worked there in about six months, and I went down there to get some food and do some shopping, hit up the Urban Outfitters, you know, get something cool from a date. And uh, yeah, fucking John comes up, handing me some Scientology literature, tells me yeah. it's all about a girl and everything. I'd never, I mean, I guess there's lots of reasons to join a career. You know, you might want to consider for your own career at some point, right. Dave. But uh, he joined for a girl. Uh, was this now? You say you hadn't been there in six months. Was this the time that you got fired for making rat armor? No, I didn't get fired for that. Uh, that was but awesome, did, though. I did get. Did make I did get reprimanded armor. for it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, it wasn't really armor. It was. Uh, yeah, I, I used a bunch of those. You know, those little sleeves that they put over the coffee cups. I made some. Uh, Kind of like a musketeer outfit for a um, stuffed rat. rat. It, it looked awesome. Oh, it's a stuffed rat. I it wasn't it was a real a, rat. no real rat. It, it's the health code, man. No way. <laughs> I mean, I thought uh, you had like a rat at home. I don't remember this story that well. Yeah, I thought you had like a rat at home, and you were like, ah, that rat needs a musketeer outfit. So you like appropriated some coffee sleeves. No, um, no. and no. you uh, decided no. to make a musketeer outfit. The time I almost got fired, which was super weird, because I. It was we had also before we worked together at the, uh, the, the the cafe in Austin. We worked together at the cafe in Corpus Christi. That's and, right. Um, I left uh, to come up here uh, maybe like a year before you did or something. I can't remember. It was, it was pretty close though. And uh, they had called me into the office and they said, "Tell me about the gift cards," because uh, I had they believed that I had taken two hundred and fifty six gift cards and put one penny on each one. And I'm like, what are you even talking about? And uh, it turned out that it was, it was a guy in Corpus that did it, but he, we looked a little bit similar and uh, oh. customers would all, you know, like it was one of those kind of things where I'd be working and customers say like, Hey, weren't you here this morning? And I'd be like, nah, it's the other guy. It was that kind of thing. But it got, but right. he was the one that did this. He, he was planning to bring a, a stack of gift, 250 gift cards to Austin and buy a cup of coffee from me with that one cent gift card prank. He thought that would be very funny. And I guess that those gift cards cost like a few bucks for each one that they now, is there, was there a minimum that you had to put on them? I don't, apparently, apparently not. Yeah. He, um, technically if if he purchased them, I mean, it's his prerogative on what, how much he wants to load it for. Right. Right. Yeah. But yeah, so here we were like, I hadn't been there in months. And uh, when someone asked, uh, when, when the uh, store supervisor is director or whatever asked, you know, who did the gift card thing, they did that, that the old confusion and said my name instead of his, even though I hadn't been there in forever. So he immediately called Austin and told my store director what I had done. And um, I was so confused, but I almost got fired for that. Yeah. Well, no one is going to confuse you now because you've got a cool painter's follicle arrangement on your face well makes put. you stand out and the reason <laughs> you showed it to us is because 
we are part of a of a Friday sort of weekly um, Facebook chat while we watch Joe Bob Briggs' The Last Drive-In. Yeah, we have a little group thing going, at least for this season. We've started a little... Yeah. Us and your beautiful wife and Mark from the Graveyard Podcast. Gra- and, Grave Talk. Uh, Grave Talk Podcast. Grave Talk Podcast. Yeah, yeah, good podcast. Yeah. yeah, man. Yeah, check that one out as well. Yeah. And um, so th- I don't always join in, but I did this week. And um, we thought it would be kind of fun to talk about this this episode in particular for a few reasons. You know, initially, I kind of wanted to talk about it because there was a lot of controversy on the on the interwebs, the Twitterverse was at each other's throats. And Matt, you, much more wisely than I, have avoided being on Twitter much at all. So you are spared from all this, correct? That's right. I don't really go on Twitter. I made an account years ago, and I uh, just kind of forgot about it. One day you're going to go on there. You're just going to see like 50 tweets from me waving at you. Did, have you? Is that there for real, or are you saying you plan to do that? No, like every once in a while, I just wave at your at your handle. Is it? It's like um, you click a wave, like a wave button, and it just says not like, like an emoji thing, you know. Oh, okay, well, cool. Thanks for keeping it live, man. Keeping are you? Uh, I want to make sure that if you ever come back, you're you're welcomed. Um, yeah. But but in spite of you not being on Twitter, do you have some semblance of a kind of what happened? I don't want to spend too much time on it because I think there's far more interesting stuff to talk about on the show itself, but uh, it, it's the, it's an elephant in the room that we should might as well address at the top. You, you were telling me about it yesterday, and like basically Joe Bob Briggs went way outside of his lane and a while back with an article um, talking about some of the shortcomings of um, the, the uh, acronym of uh, the LGBTQ um, was it IA plus uh, community? I a plus, yeah. I, I I don't always get it right. I mean, I I I understand what he was trying to say of like, oh, it's getting longer, and and I, and I do know that like when conservatives want to talk about that, they often will parody it by adding extra letters and stuff. But but uh, you know, I I know that it has a purpose, especially in legal documents and all kinds of uh, uh, things that that you, you know you need things like that. You need identifiers like that. So I don't know why he felt the need to. To you know, like I said, go so far outside of his lane and give Joe Bob's hot take on it, but that is something like that, right? That's basically what he did, and I think that's a that's a fair summary of it. I think the I think the terminology outside of his lane is probably the best way to describe it because I didn't find anything particularly malicious about it, um, but I but I understand that maybe that's not the right voice, and that maybe there's probably just not a way to say it from his perspective that is really going to be embraced. Uh, that being said, you know, as things happen on Twitter, they, they, you know, a lot of emotions were running high and people on both sides of the, of the aisle, so to speak, really, uh, some, some engage in meaningful discourse and others resorted in pretty lackluster and vile language being hurled at one another. I've heard people get pretty rude there on the Twitter. They, they take the gloves off and really claw at you. And I've heard, I've heard it gets pretty heated. <laughs> Or, um, whoa, what's going on with your crazy hands there? I, I don't know. If I do something weird, no, if I, if I do something weird, just ignore it. I was just checking the power level on my headset, making sure I don't have to plug in. Okay, fair enough. Well, but what makes, I think, Twitter prone to sort of overreaction um, is that it's you're only allowed 140 characters. So you really only even have the physical ability to do quote-unquote hot takes. 
and and there's there's a sense of anonymity anonymity mm. there uh, anonymity that, yes that, that 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 provides a veil of protection to say kind of whatever you want without um consequence mm -hmm. which of course is ironic because the moment you say something there are at least in some instances consequences you know we talked about uh, James Gunn has been fired for things that he did in the past, private things. That's right. Um, that people found unsavory and that cost him his job. I, I have, I have really strong feelings about things that you do in the past affecting your. Like I, I'm not a big believer that businesses should regulate morality. Like, yeah, yeah. Who the fuck you. is Disney to regulate what I do in my private time? Sure. You know? Yeah. Right. Yeah. But, uh, but I will say this: in, in the end, several articles have come out. I think um, a lot of the articles really failed to tell the entire story. Um, but much like Joe Bob's, the, the articles that Joe Bob's read, I think that the intent was came from a good place, even if the execution was poor. And uh, if you want to really like a, a take that, that mirrors mine, there's a YouTube channel called Michael Keene, K-E-E-N-E, Michael Keane is on um, on the on the Twitter and he's on, on YouTube and he did a, about like a 15 minute or 10 minute sort of breakdown of of everything and I think it's really good. It really was even killed and and had context and perspective and really tried to view both sides of it. And so if you want to catch up, there it is. I think that's the one that you should really read. Uh, and then in the end, you know, in spite of how poorly it may have sort of escalated to. In the end, Joe Bob has opened his DMs to people to reach out to him to talk. There you um, go. He wants he wants people to feel like they belong, and they've been heard. And so, I don't know what more you can ask. If you see some asshole still pushing the envelope for canceling or whatever, fuck them. <laughs> need that kind of negative influence in horror. Yeah, can canceling is a, is can the canceling thing. That is a harmful. That that trend needs to stop. It's uh, too many people too eager to do that whole thing. But and, you know what? Yeah. On the other side, if you see some Joe Bob defenders hurling vitriol and 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 vulgar terms and and bigoted terms, fuck those people too. Absolutely. We don't need negativity. Oh yeah. Every, no. it's, it, it, horror and movies and art is inclusive inclusive of everyone. But if you're an asshole, you might be shown the door. So just don't be an asshole. You know. So sometimes uh, I was I was gonna say, is, is there a chance that are any any have you did you see anything that made, made, might you think this that like because I I know there have been times in the past like for example there was a thing with a a trailer for the new Doom game where um they the were huh you know for the game uh but uh, they were showing some clips from the game in which a uh, um the demons are referred to in a culturally sensitive ways saying they prefer to be called mortally challenged and it was a kind of a spoof on like corporate cultural sensibility that's not actually helpful you know that's more corporate but um i did notice like a a big part of this kind of you know the the, the guys that uh, that are the anti sjw people you know that like they they seem to make they found a few people saying, oh, uh, you know, the new Doom trailer makes fun of cultural sensibility, um, you know, and, and kind of saying we don't agree. They shouldn't be doing that, basically. And they were able to find like a few people who complained about this trailer and blow it up into, uh, oh, the SJW community is trying to go against Doom. 
And it went on, and it still comes around every once in a while. People, hey, you remember when the SJWs tried to stop Doom from getting made? And you're like, what? You know, and it, and so do they, sometimes I have noticed that the uh, the kind of anti community will blow stuff up. Like maybe a few people did complain about Joe Bog, but but then these other guys caught wind that they had a little, you know, a torch to carry and a flag to get behind. We got to save Joe Bob, and they may have yeah. made it seem like yeah, a bigger fair. bigger I, thing I, than I, it actually was. I, honestly, I think that applies to both sides. But yes, certainly that. I think there were about. A handful of writers film writers and if you've listened to this show or followed my twitter you know about my love-hate relationship with film writers but like there were a handful of writers who sort of carried the torch and in fairness the initial person who wrote an article for fangoria you can read that too although i i do think it's a little one-sided still okay she did apologize to me actually directly on twitter oh, i kind of okay. called out I, I hate the term called out i I responded that this was a good article, but it missed an opportunity for both sides to assume accountability. And she messaged me directly, and she said that she realized that she used some really poor judgment in how she handled this. She was upset, and she apologized to me. Do I think I'm the one who needs to be apologized to? No. But do I think it at least maybe helps? Sure. What I would like it to have been in the article itself? Absolutely. But look, yes, people cherry pick things and they run with it to make their case you know it's like it's not enough for you to have been upset by it you have to like you know uh it's like a it's like a cable subscription bundle you know you gotta like you gotta get espn plus and disney plus and and whatever else disney owns and to, to sell it right? right it feels a little bit like that and then and conversely i think on the the quote the quote-unquote anti-sjwers you know they took a few of these people who were handling it very poorly, maybe acting out of emotion or anger or hurt, and they ran with that. And I think, and I think what you do, and I think this is what kind of your point you're making with Twitter is that it almost encourages you, or at least it often gets used, so that you highlight the worst of everything and then you apply it to everyone. Sure. And that's that's just not conducive for like open and honest conversation. So it seems like things are slowly settling down. There's still a few assholes out there who want to just keep carrying this torch, but, you know, I think they'll oftentimes find themselves on the outside looking in, and and I've had some really great conversations with people uh, on both sides, you know, people from the gay community, people from the, the pro, you know, Joe Bob community, the and everyone in between, and um, what I'd like to hope is that going forward, people really really try to realize that what is provided what the what, and, and by, by the way this includes joe bob himself that what this platform is is a platform that promotes unity so if you're doing anything that's not promoting unity you're you're flying in the face of what the last driving is supposed to be and that's inclusive of joe bob himself all right so um hopefully we can all learn to move on because this fucking episode was so inspiring yeah, well, and, well, the, well, before we move to that, this episode of what you're watching and listening to right now is about Joe Bob Briggs and the last drive-in in general, not just the incident we're talking about. Like we've 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 gathered here in our virtual uh, our virtual woods, and we're watching oh, one, one of our uh, favorite films. Yes, we're we're in big screen. We've gathered here in our virtual woods tonight with the uh, the campfire and the big. Uh, bit, literally the big screen behind us watching one of our favorite 80s uh, animated films Rock and Rule starring uh, Debbie Harry and Iggy Pop and uh, Lou Reed uh, Earth, Wind and Fire 
uh, the guy from Cheap Trick. I always forget his name. <laughs> but last drive in this week was one of the best episodes of the season. That was so much fun watching that, man. We had a great time. Uh, Lloyd, Uncle Lloyd Kaufman was on the show with his wife, Pat Kaufman, to film legends, you know. Yeah, Pat, Co- or sorry, uh, Lloyd Kaufman, the uh, founder and owner and, and creative force behind trauma films. Yeah, and- some, sometimes star of, actor, even singer. And Pat Kaufman, his, his <laughs> wife, who was uh, formerly the head of the New York Film Commission for many, many years. You know, and what's hilarious is I might have, I don't know this for a fact, but like I might have even missed this episode if not for all this kerfuffle. Hey, Sophie, that's Sophie making noise in the background. All this kerfuffle online, I might have just like, who knows what have come up, you know, but uh, I'm glad I watched it. I'm glad I got to watch it with you guys. And um, yeah, the, 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 you know, Lloyd Kaufman is a, a controversial figure. You know, he's a controversial figure, but he's always, I feel like Troma has really led the charge about breaking down boundaries and taboos and giving opportunities to people who, who, um, you know, women and, and members of the gay community and minorities have really given them an opportunity to have a place in the filmmaking table when they weren't previously given that. Yeah, absolutely. Stroma's always been a really inclusive company, man. Just a place for the freaks, for all the weirdos. I mean, it's uh, it's 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 a ton of fun. Uh, I mean, the Stroma films they don't have big name actors. Uh, you know, the the talent in them is uh often out of work and lesser known people. Uh, but but they're always a blast, man. And then there there is some talent too. They have some really really great performances in some of these films, you know. So this was this was one of them that. Uh, definitely had some surprises um the 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 premise with trauma's war was that a uh play, kind of like in lost you had a plane crash uh mm-hmm. the survivors I mean, do you think lost on this island stole this from trauma's war absolutely it's I practically shot for shot but you, you had a a group of survivors uh, on a on a island that they assume no one's on when they they encounter some soldiers who end up being really aggressive and it turns out uh kind of like a who's who of terrorist groups from around the world have have sent people to this island to train for this this big american invasion funded by cuba and uh the survivors of this plane crash have to become their own sort of army and uh stop this horrible invasion and save america and it's uh probably one of the more eclectic uh dirty dozen type groups i've ever seen you know way more eclectic than the dirty dozen i mean you've got like a 76 year old karate grandma uh you've got uh the 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 vietnam uh vet who's you know back in it you become a used car salesman but now he's back in his element um the 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 deaf woman that uh uses her her kind of becomes like daredevil (laughs) at some point in the movie and is able to uh kill people by hearing them and uh, shooting that direction. Uh, I mean, it's, it was just a hell of a, a cast of strange, weird, you know, fun people. Oh, and then just a guy who we were calling Agent Blow Dart because he just happened to have a uh, a blowgun in his white suit that shot cyanide tipped in his blow- cane, right? And I thought he had it like strapped to his leg or something, and he kind of had to assemble oh, I it. Was like and, a part of his cane. Yeah, he just he just happens to fly with that just in case, you know, just in case he needs it. But uh, he was awesome. Yeah, British guy. Um, and they're up against uh, all kinds of horrible accents and uh, teased hair uh, and like a pig, yeah, a guy with a pig nose. Uh, just the, the weirdest group of terrorists you've ever seen. But they, oh, and a, a man who who uses AIDS as a weapon. He's um, 
kind of a weird, weird deformed guy. Oh yeah, that one was definitely uh, crossing the line in a lot of ways, but it was unique. I'll give it that. <laughs> now, I, now, now, I will say that Lloyd sort of mentioned that this was uh, his commentary on the uh, silencing of the aid epidemic from the Reagan administration. Yeah, it's a good point. Yeah, he's Reagan, Reagan was trying to sweep it under the rug, ignore it, kind of like how uh, he, our current president bring... is doing with the yeah. uh, with the virus. We've all been very don't test because then they might and... come up positive. Exactly. Um, it's better if we just don't know. Yeah. About it. So it's just sort of his method of sort of bringing it to the forefront in his own very trauma-esque way. Unlike most trauma movies, there's no sort of supernatural element to this. This is almost as, I mean, as far as from from for trauma standards, this was a pretty much straight war film. Yeah, there were no mutants. There were no um, ghosts or monsters or aliens. It was just uh, terrorists and, and good old heroes you know fighting with with lots and lots of guns lots of machine guns i mean that that machine gun sound effect went probably about 20 percent of the whole film um it was fun though that's a fun violent stupid violent movie and just watching it on that last drive-in this week with lloyd kaufman and pat kaufman there to tell you know tell war stories i mean that was cool Antidotes. yeah that His was time great. at yale yes with, uh, oliver stone and the skull society yeah, yeah, other Illuminati stuff he was into. He probably not with Lloyd, but he knows. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, maybe he had his own his own secret society, the Trauma Society. He does now, that's for sure. Yeah, um, yeah. but uh, yeah, that was cool. We watched that on Shutter, which is our favorite horror subscription. But if you watched, you, right. you learned that a new horror, another horror subscription is on the way. Trauma is going to have their own soon, called Trauma Now. That's uh, crazy. And if they do anything like Shutter, where Shutter has all those. Uh, you know, unique original sh- TV shows. If Troma were to do something like that, we might have a pretty fun thing coming. That, uh, and I'm sure it's going to be, be awesome. dirt cheap to subscribe to it. So yeah, Troma now is on the way. It's kind of got to be. Yeah. But like, you know, you have all that library to draw from and then you're right. It gives you an opportunity to create more content in that very Troma way. Yeah, maybe sure. more Troma series. Maybe you could even lure back some alumni like a James Gunn to like do a series for them or <laughs> maybe. produce it. Like who, how cool would that be, you know? When he finally just gives up on Disney altogether and just goes for it. Yeah, yeah maybe. He's That'd got be fuck off money. There you go. Uh, so well, that was awesome. And then the, the second film of the night was... I was, was going to say, Trauma's War God, was not the only film that, that they was, showed that day. That was the unexpected uh, treasure, man. Like, we had no man, idea what we were about to see. So even, great. even halfway through the film, we're still kind of like, okay, what's going on? Why is this so great? And then by the end, we were all just, like, amazed at what we just watched. This, this was a film called One Cut, for the, One Cut of the Dead. Yeah. Now, now we we made a promise uh, the first time we recorded this episode that we would not do spoilers no because hell. this is a relatively no new film, right? That's right. We're not spoiling this one because you can, and it's we don't want to do that. But uh, the, so forgive um, us for the the awkward tiptoeing around certain key moments in this movie because we want to talk about it and we want to recommend it. But of course, we're going to be very uh, considerate to those of you who maybe haven't watched it yet. It is available on Shutter. It is available um, through the la- that last drive-in episode is available on Shutter, so you can see it that way. I, I don't know if the movie by itself is available on Shutter. I didn't check. Now, do you think? Do you think? Because you know, part of Joe Bob's sort of shtick is that he's kind of like the uh, out of touch redneck dude. You know, right? Yeah. Like, uh, do you think that that maybe some of his humor would would land a bit better if they cut to Darcy more or like other people kind of like rolling their eyes? Um, Almost like in the same vein as like Michael Scott from The Office, right? Oh, right. Like he says some pretty tone deaf things, but what makes it funny is that it's very evident that like everyone else thinks that what he's saying is kind of a 
out of touch or a rant or whatever, a non sequitur. You need you need like a gym to look at the camera. That's what you're saying. <laughs> like someone just be like, yeah. whatever, Joe Bob. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I feel like that that's a role that Darcy could play, and then that way you can you can kind of get that like, uh, yeah. Sometimes he's he's in, is invoking wisdom, right? But also sometimes he's just going on a bit long, and like, uh, let's all laugh with that joke rather than be unsure about what's going on. It could be helpful. I think so. So Matt, without spoiling anything uh, from One Cut from the Dead, is it One Cut from the Dead or is it One Cut of the Dead? I believe it's One Cut of the Dead. Okay. So without spoiling One Cut of the Dead, what did you think about that film? Like what? Like take a like it's 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 a film that has uh, lots of twists and turns. So kind of track us through emotionally how you felt as you were watching this flick. All right. It, it, well, first you're kind of you're, you're feeling like, OK, what they've done is kind of clever, but it's not like it has never been done before. But OK, whatever, you know, if we're going to. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, OK, it's kind of cool. But then like. Then and this is interesting because like it it's about halfway into the film, these credits start rolling and you think the film is over. And yeah. then you're like, all right. Like it was a short. Was, yeah, it was a short episode. It was a short. And it was, it's a pretty decent short. So you're like, all right, that's kind of cool, I guess. I mean, the yeah. acting was good. I, mm-hmm. Then, But then it turns into this whole other film and you just kind of um, – that you didn't expect at all. And, uh, God, I don't know. It's, it's, it's hard. Man, this is tough, guys. It's hard to recommend a movie to you that we don't want to tell you anything about. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, well, you know, uh, for me, for me, it just harkened back to like – so back when I was just a, a, well, I wasn't really that young. I was in my mid-late 20s already. But when I decided I wanted to make the plunge from working in retail management to film, I didn't know anything, you know. I just I picked up a copy of Rubber Rodriguez's um, Rebel Without a Crew, and, and that kind of inspired me. I bought a camera. And, and one of the very first things I made was with you, Matt. We, we made this tiny little short, I think it's maybe a minute, 60 seconds or something. I think it's like uh, five, four, five minutes. Is, yet. is it that long? Yeah. It's about Anyways, five minutes. Long. It was, it was a, it was for a, a, a filmmaking frenzy, which is something that Alamo draft house used to support these little 48 hours and 24 hour film fest. And, um, you know, like it was just a bunch of friends really with a lot of coffee and a little bit of beer and no sleep and just slamming together this, these sort of creative ideas, you know? And, um, Watching this film, which we should point out is a student film that was made for what twenty eight thousand dollars. Yeah, something, something like that. Not much. Not much. Yeah, you know they uh, they it reminded me of those days. You know those days of doing um, uh, Count to Three and Die, which is the the short that you and I made together. Yeah. Or uh, or yeah. my my magnus opus, Absinthe makes the dead live longer. Which so what, so what, just what found, you're saying is this is an independent zombie film. Oh god, it's not even just independent, man. This is like, like, like gorilla of all gorillas of yeah. zombie films, and it just reminded me of those days when we didn't know anything about what we were doing. We just loved film, and we had a camera, and we figured out the rest as we went. You know, Home Depot was our was our supply store, and uh, your 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 act your actors were your friends, and you did multiple roles and. Uh, I, I loved it. And that's just the first part of it. That yeah. was just me watching the first part. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh, this is so clever. Yeah, I remember when I made films like this, you know. 
you know, long before I had a career, before I was producing it, that's what I was doing. But then the second part starts. And I was really confused for like the first five minutes. And then as it progressively goes, man, so I, I didn't watch it that night. This is the one cut from the dead. Yeah. Because I was tired. And um, I'm in California where certain uh, natural pharmaceuticals are allowed. And I passed out while uh-huh. eating chips. Yes. Uh-huh. But uh, I did watch it the next day. And I got to be honest, man. When it got to the ending, I got a little tear in my eye. I, I legit watered up a little bit. Yeah, it, you know, it feels like um, like the movie's so well done that it it almost feels like a, like a big studio's love letter to independent film. You know, like something something that like a big studio would make with like talented people who used to be indie filmmakers, but they've moved on. Mm. Like that's and it feels like that. Like that this would be like their love letter to like the their 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 origins. You know, because it's just so well made. It's hard to believe that this is like students made this. Well, but, um, I, I, I agree with you from the perspective of how well made it is, but I don't think a studio could make this man. Well, no, I, I mean, this, we'll, we'll think of it like this, like the guys who made this, uh, like 20 years in the, in, into their career or something or 10 years into the career, you know, I, that, that's what, I mean, you, and you, yeah, I, I know what you're saying. There are limitations with working with big studios that they might not have been able to pull this off. And even some of that's addressed in the film, which is kind of funny. You just really, one, yeah. one more time, what we're talking about is probably really confusing, but we're not going to tell you why. So, but, um, I, I could see that, like that, that you, especially you with your career and the, the choices you've made, I could definitely, I'm mad. Yeah. I'll bet you did tear up. I'll bet it really touched you, man. Dude, Cause like this film is seriously, it's a, uh, it's a very uplifting film. <laughs> like it's amazing, man. Yeah. It was, well, weird, and it was kind that, of a misfit almost for Joe Bob yeah. Briggs show. Like, uh, he doesn't usually have stuff of this quality, but, uh, and it was confusing too because you didn't really know why it belonged where it did, right? Especially yeah. coming off of, off of trauma. Which I guess if you look at the overall theme, it's like this independent spirit was really running through this episode, right? Yeah. Because trauma has maintained its independence by hook or crook, and this film was literally made by students. But there's a scene at the end of of one cut from the dead. It's not the last scene, but it's right towards the end. It's the climax, certainly. And if you just took a still frame, if you just screenshotted this one image, and if you watch the film, you know exactly what I'm talking about. If that doesn't sum up fucking independence, like filmmaking, I don't know what does. I watched that thing, and if I was in theaters, I would have stood up and clapped. Because it was, <laughs> I was at home, and I weeped a little bit, and I was fucking re-inspired. I reordered a copy of Rebel Without a Crew, which, you know, I've, I've had about three copies, and I always end up sort of giving them out to people but i, I want to go back and reread that because i'll tell you man you start doing this for long enough i'm sure you, maybe this is even the case with you with sculpting right like you do this long enough and it becomes a job it becomes a career it's like it's how you pay your rent you know and it's really easy to lose touch of why you got into it in the first place right uh, it's really easy the longer you're in film to forget that you love film you know it becomes you become jaded you become snide you become whatever defensive every once in a while you got to remind yourself that you get to make movies or you get to make art and this film does that at least it did that for me i can't see anyone watching it and not being like fuck it when are we doing some art yeah you know like i'm not gonna wait for corona to be over i got a an iphone in my apartment i got a 
you know, there's some guys or some people who made a film using the rear view camera from their, um, I think it was a, like a, like a, what's the little car that people drive? The little um, Priuses? I think it was a Prius. Oh, okay. okay. Did, you, did you hear about that? No. <laughs> they made a whole film utilizing the rear view camera as their camera. Why not? <laughs> I guess, I mean, probably can't make a lot of films that way, but uh, yeah, if you got an idea, go for it. But you, but if you have an idea, go for it. Exactly, exactly. Like this, watching this, watching this whole thing. Like it's it's a foreign film. You're gonna have to read two inches of script at the bottom. But like it's gonna be real confusing in the beginning. But just go with it, man. And I guarantee you, if you're not working in the art field already, it will inspire you to do so. It yeah. was excellent. Uh, or maybe it won't. I mean, it was a stressful time for all of the characters in that film they don't have a they're not exactly having fun so so maybe it won't so, like there's some pretty some pretty bad stuff happens to some of those people man <laughs> like, i mean one one guy one guy he actually actually just starts crying so so yeah but but well anyway we're getting a little too cl- getting a little too close to it but uh to the nature of the film but like we i'm gonna recommend too don't go out and look for one cut of the dead if you don't already have a shutter subscription, man, just get that shutter subscription and watch this episode of the last drive in because even, even if you're not interested in the trauma parts, which what is wrong with you if you're not, but like this, uh, you know, and, and I, you might, I can understand also not wanting to watch the movie with interruptions. Cause that's the whole thing of the last drive in. But when, when you get up to close to the, uh, the end of the film, uh, Joe Bob kind of has, you know, he goes to uh, so many con- conventions. He meets so many people uh, that that describe themselves as aspiring filmmakers, and um, he has like a message for them at the end uh, about why they shouldn't call themselves aspiring and just start calling themselves filmmakers. But like, which is you know pretty cookie cutter concept, whatever. But like the way he tells it all out, and like the way they shot that live, and um, the things he says. I mean, it's you need to hear it. You need to hear what he's got to say because it was. Man, that was just as inspiring as the film. It was, it was awesome. awesome. It was, and you know what? I, I mentioned Rebel Without a Crew earlier, and you know, there's a there's a famous piece of of uh, the book where Robert Rodriguez he does also does it in his in his videos, ten minute film school, where he says, um, you know, you think you want to be a director? Wrong. You are a director. Go to the shop and get some business cards made. Pass them out to your friends. Now you're a director. Now go make your film. Now go learn your craft. Now go figure out how to do it. You're already a director. You're already an artist. You're a producer. You're a writer. You're those things. If that's what your passion is, you are those things. Stop saying you're aspiring to be that. You want to be that. And go be it. Yeah. Because you, there is no time but now. I was 27 when I switched careers to work in film, right? There are people – Diamond Dallas Page didn't become a pro wrestler until he was in his 40s. Nice. You know? Uh, people do change and do things late in life. Morgan Freeman didn't get to be popular until he was in his 40s. Harrison yeah. Ford was a carpenter before he became Han Solo. Like, don't wait anymore because time will pass you by, and that opportunity that you have will slip by, and you'll just you'll – just, it'll just be one of those things you wished you would have done – or it was a dream that you had as a kid and you'll be checking, you know, you'll be doing whatever your job is kind of making ends meet, but that opportunity to make yourself follow your passion will pass you by. No, I, I don't agree that it'll pass you by, but, um, 
you might find it's as you get older, it, it can get a little more difficult. Uh, you know, there's things young people can do like, um, well, no, I mean like young people can do stuff like live for $400 a month because they have six roommates. You know, they can do stuff like pull, pull all nighters, uh, you know, go a whole weekend without sleep where like, you know, someone like close to our age, you know, coming up on their forties soon might go like, uh, eh, let's, I mean, we, well, it's, it's weird. It's with me. It's like, I know I could pull an all-nighter, but I don't think I would feel, I think I've, I've like know too much about the art world that I'd just be like, eh, it ain't worth it. You know, <laughs> like young, young, younger people are like naive enough to be, to think that they should actually work all of, you know, and not, not sleep and uh, which is good, but you need that, you know, like that's the thing is just, there's, there's certain things that you don't have to be young to do, but you're going to find that they're easier to do, or at least, you know, uh, more, they're going to feel more purposeful because you're younger. And, um, so don't, you know, you don't, but, but well, hold on. My, my point is just that the opportunities don't pass you by. Uh, they, they're always going to be there. And that's and because that's what kind of what you were saying too, like DDP, you know, Diamond Dallas Page being 40 when you get, you know, they're always there. It's just, uh, you might as well start now. That's what it really Yeah. You is. might as well start now because it does get harder. And also, it gets emotionally harder. It gets it gets mentally harder. You know, yeah. you start getting the the longer and the further away from your passion you get from a time perspective, it's going to be harder to convince yourself to get into it. So do yourself a favor, stop aspiring to do something and do it. And don't worry about money. I mean, I know you got to pay bills, but you don't have to make a career of something right away. Keep the day job. Do this stuff on the weekends. Or as we've said oftentimes, go get a day job in the field of the thing that you want to do. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that you is know, so if important. You want to work in film and you can't get on set as a PA or maybe you can't make a living as a PA, go work for like a gear house. Yeah. You know, go uh, get it on the desk of, a, of a, a producer. You know, go do something. Be involved. Go work at a video store. I don't know that they exist anymore. <laughs> but, like, maybe there's a few. Yeah. There's or, like one blockbuster up in, like, Seattle. Go work there. Even if you can't currently get a job in the field, maybe there's a, a Subway restaurant or something right next to the studio that you want right to work at. Right next door. Hell, know? yeah. I mean, I mean the, just do whatever that. it like, takes, you know. Dude, like, I, I got to be honest. I, I don't think this, ever, this has ever been anything that I've consciously thought of before. But now, just, like, in... In this conversation, it's so obvious to me that, you know, meeting Mike Judge once a week for like a couple years yeah, and getting to shoot the shit with him a little bit. I mean, never didn't want to be rude, but like just to get the opportunity to chat with him here and there and he talking about taking his son to surf in our hometown down in Corpus and what well, have you. That's the thing about Dude, being, that was inspiring. A, being a, a coffee guy too, being a barista is you, you are part bartender. So I, I found that like. I, I mean, it was, it never felt like I was like, Oh, trying to keep Mike judge. there talking to me. Like it was just chat. You know, people want to chat with you when you're a barista. So like, yeah, yeah I was, I always love when he would come in we just talk about it because King of the Hill was still running back in those days too. So. Yeah, it was. And it's so good. Yeah. And he is um, one of those guys where you could totally be like last night's episode was awesome. My favorite part. And he'll, he'll tell yeah. you more about it. <laughs> it's great, man. And, and, and not only that, but like he was a normal guy. Yeah, totally. You know, yeah. a normal dude from Texas, just like me. And, uh, so yeah, if you can't get a job in the field that you want to do, get a job next to it, go get, go work at a coffee shop. If that's the only thing you can do, go work in a coffee shop next to a studio, do whatever you have to do. Yeah. I, I will say but, though, the coffee shop next to the studio needs to be the place where you're working while you're constantly trying to get a job in the studio. Like don't, don't yes, absolutely. Yes. move there and be like, one of these days this will pay off. Like 
you should you should be applying for everything else while you're there but but yeah the point you know, is just get as close have, as you can yeah get as close as you can and we have one life there's there are certain philosophies that say that our whole purpose and to exist is to follow our will right follow our passions follow our our hearts that poetry in your gut listen to that go create art go do it because there's nothing holding you back especially now man like yeah, it's easy that little geo that's little geo one camera that i had back in like 12 years ago or whatever pales in comparison to my phone now or an iphone or a prius's rear view camera you know <laughs> i don't so i mean yeah as long as you remember to keep the dirt off those rear view cameras they they're pretty good yeah, quality make sure you clean it yeah you like, gotta clean like i'm it. gonna clean my laptop after it rains but and stuff. Uh, but um but yeah it was that was yeah that was a great part I felt inspired, of, of the show. Tell. Yeah, Joe Bob. Yeah, he he definitely got inside of Dave. Uh, it got him all inspired, man. Because a lot of what Dave was saying is the gist of uh, what Joe Bob was saying. It was just it was cool. I don't know. It was just cool to see him kind of, you know, give that like, look, I talk to a lot of y'all, and this is what you tell me, and I, I want to. So now I'm going to tell you the you know my version of it. And it was cool to hear that. And Darcy, uh, she the the male girl. Um, she yeah. kind of chimed in too because you know she goes to just as many conventions talks to just as many people and so it was pretty cool it's pretty cool to hear what they had to it was say super, uh you know they, super cool yeah and uh we got to see some you know some of the people backstage working as joe bob sort of walks through the sets to talk you know yeah, yeah it was and neat. a friend of the show liz martin was doing makeup in the background on darcy when joe bob was walking around so shout out to liz and you know good good Texas filmmakers out there working yeah. and, um, and, and we support them and we support the idea of, of following your passion and, and for us to do it collectively as a community that loves one another and is kind to one another, even when we fight sometimes, like at the end of the day, we're all in this together. Humans just figuring it out, looking for love, man. Sure thing. And so uh, I hope that's the come away that everyone had from it. Uh, we, we like to do a, um, uh, ratings here on the Grindhouse podcast, but did I tell you that I just drove by Kevin Smith the other day? No. <laughs> yeah, okay. I almost stopped and I almost stopped and asked him to uh, just to tell him about our Tusk rating, but I I decided that was inappropriate, oh. so I did not. <laughs> but uh, just stop the car, sh- Kevin Smith. I have a podcast and we have a rating. We use Tusks because we like your movie Tusk. Yeah, he would yeah, be. Was, he would that, feel that, totally that would, safe in that. <laughs> yeah, not creepy at all. <laughs> But but uh, so what what Tusk rating would you give the Troma's War? Okay, Troma's War. I am gonna say, man, it's it's like a three. Like it's that's a okay. really good Troma film. Like it's totally weird, right. and the soundtrack right. was great, and uh, the cast was awesome. Um, it was stupid as hell, but I lo- I had a great time. So yeah, three out of five. I, I okay, fair enough. That's a good rating. I I'm gonna give it a two. Uh, watchable, but I like the monster stuff, man. You know, and I did kind of feel like that. I mean, there was lots of blood, but like I kind of missed a little bit of that heightened gore that you get normally from a trauma film. You know, a dude dropping weights on a guy's head and watching a watermelon explode. Right. Yeah. Stuff like that. So two, <laughs> a two, it's watchable. Dave recommends watch it, but two tusk. Now, what do you what do you rank? Uh, one cut for the dead. That, I'm, one I'm cut of the dead. Five out of one five. One cut of the dead. Five out of five. Five I mean, out of that five. was on the next level, man. That was uh, that. 
I, I don't know how they pulled that off. I mean, what the inspiration was for it. Like, I have to imagine that it's, it just was so realistic in my mind. I mean, it, well, it wasn't completely. Yes. Real. It was like, it was funny, almost like a comedy, kind of slapstick but, at moments. But, it, but like, that it must have been based, it, it must have been based on a real life story, something that happened to them or something. Cause it was just like, it felt like a real, like it really, it was cool. Yeah. It was just, it, it didn't have any stupid plot holes or anything. It was just, it was perfect. I, I thought, uh, smart. So yeah. Five out of creative. Five. Uh, yeah. Well, I'm going to do something unheralded on this show. I'm going to break our tusk rating and give it six tusk. Six out of five tusk. You shouldn't for be one doing cut that, of the dead. And that's what do you? I'm gonna do it. Our tusk can't rating be stopped, is, man. What is? What can it even mean? This movie now? was so fucking good. <laughs> I mean, so that's... fucking good. Watch it. It's awesome. Watch it. Six stars. Six tusk. Absolutely. All right. I'm, st- I'm gonna stop shouting into the microphone. <laughs> should we? Uh, should we go? Should we go? Speaking of community, should we answer a few of our mailbag questions? Yeah, I think we could get some time for two or three of those. What do you say? Questions from the correct. Edward Guadalupe Stegman asks, are practical effects a lost art or is CGI the natural evolution of special effects? I think it, hey, what's up, Ed? First off, friend of mine. I think it's going to be both. You know, we got um, things like setting that, you know, uh, special effects like car accidents, spaceships, you know, all kinds of stuff like the bigger things that yeah. uh, you don't even notice when CGI is happening and it just makes it, it makes the options so much more. Uh, but then, you know, there's things like, um, I think something that we've been experiencing a lot with like the Marvel films and stuff where like really cool prosthetics and puppetry, you could just make it so much more believable, but they just go and yeah. like CGI, the clothes, CGI, the face. And, and it's, uh, uh it, it's okay. You know, it's kind of cool. Sometimes, sometimes it works really well. I mean, Thanos looked great. Uh, sure. I think uh, Thanos, if he was a guy in a, like a rubbery plastic suit, that wouldn't have been so good. But, um, but you, you know, it's sometimes I, I think um, practical effects are are necessary. You know, there you need something to look more organic, something to be yeah, there in, in the room with the actors, and then sometimes totally. the CGI is cool too. And also, I, I have to think back to this time when uh, I was sort of dabbling in painting, and I was painting on cardboard mostly because. That's just kind of what I had available to me. And I remember I showed you something and you were like, that's cool, man. Like, uh, so what's the, what's behind the cardboard? Like, what's the meaning behind it? You know? And, uh, and I sort of sheepishly just said, well, it's just what I have. And you're like, oh, well, you should really think about using your medium to sort of be part of the art, you know, and like not just paint on a surface, but have the surface be part of the presentation. Oh, right. Yeah. Cause I thought, I thought you were using cardboard, like a, how like a homeless person makes signs, you know, I thought you had like a statement there, you know, right. <laughs> trying really hard to figure it out. And you're like, no, yeah. that's, I have, I get that for free. So I, yeah, I right. paint which is it. okay too. It's okay too. But, but the ta- the big takeaway from that is like, use your medium to the fullest. Yeah. And I feel like CGI has a place, but I, I, like you said with the Marvel films, I think it gets overused. So Use your CGI when necessary. You know, there's a great YouTube channel called Fomento that just recently did a breakdown between Terminator 2 and Terminator Dark Fate. If you want to see a really, if you want to sort of see a really well thought out breakdown on when and why practical effects make an action scene that much stronger and rooted in reality, it's a great video to watch. Uh, I have nothing wrong with CGI. It, It has its place. 
uh, use it when needed. Use it with intent and purpose. And uh, don't just sort of use it as a catch-all. I think your film will be that much stronger for it. John Waldrop asks, if you had to choose the form of the destructor, what form would you choose for Goza to take? Oh, um, this is uh, Ghostbusters reference. Um, Ghostbusters reference. Yes, Dan Aykroyd accidentally chose the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man and he came and wrecked the city. Uh, so, so there you are, Dave, you're on the rooftop and, and the God has told you, choose the form of your destroyer. Yes. And, and what, mm. what, what comes to mind? What are you going to Godzilla killed by? Go- okay. Yeah. Godzilla has destroyed many cities and you'd like to be, if you have to go, you wouldn't mind being if, in one if, of those if cities. If I've got to go, yeah, got to go. Yeah. If I got to go, I'd rather go with something in a, in a memorable way. And I feel like being part of Godzilla and I'm talking like, I'm talking like, king of the monsters godzilla you know like i thought about the original godzilla like dude in a rubber outfit which would be cool too oh and i'm on the fence actually but i think (laughs) i think i'm gonna go ahead and go with the current godzilla the really really tall godzilla because i think i think from my rooftop vantage point i'll be able to enjoy it a lot more if i get the real big one you know and uh it'd be pretty killer if that's if that's the way i gotta go I want to go by Godzilla. Well, I, I think my only problem with that is um, while it would be really cool to be in a city when Godzilla is getting a, you know, is attacking it and stuff, uh, you, you might not even get to see Godzilla because mostly what happens in Godzilla attacking cities is people are just kind of running in the streets. Sure. And yeah. if it's a, you know, if it's a big city with a big metropolitan downtown, you're, you're basically just going to be seeing other people running in fear uh, with tall buildings around you uh, you'll hear godzilla you'll hear a lot of them but you might not see much of them and then maybe some debris even from my rooftop smash you. Uh, okay so you've got it you've you've planned out a good seat for this <laughs> you, okay well we're on the rooftop yeah. right the god's telling us we're on this rooftop here that's oh, where that's Ghostbusters right. were. Uh, okay yeah yeah good point all right yeah so yeah that would be kind of cool hopefully he destroys your building last so you get to watch uh, a yeah. lot of cool uh destruction um and uh hopefully it's not too disturbing with all the suffering it causes uh so right. yeah um i i think also you? i would like to see a big show i would i and i think uh i'm gonna go the big show like the wrestler no uh like a big oh. big thing that you know okay. you only get to all see right. once because then it's over i i think i'm gonna go with um another cinematic reference and that's uh was that Gus Van Zant's got no Lars von Trier's uh, melancholia um, oh, okay, in which yeah. a, a planet crashes into earth uh, oh. and just destroys both, both bodies. But, but uh, yeah, I think that would be, I mean, that would be a hell of a show. It's pretty epic. Watching this cosmic body just come closer and closer and closer until uh, we, we all just get smashed. Um, now I, I did think about this uh, because there's, one problem with that is a whole half of the planet doesn't get to see it. You know, right, if you're like, right. uh, like if it's hitting Australia and you're in Alaska, you know, it's, it's going to be hard for sure. you. To, so, um, I think I might try to expand it to two mel- melancholias at the same okay. time. So the like planet kind of gets pendulum. Yeah. So the planet just kind of gets smashed, like kind of sandwiched between two larger planets. I think yeah. that, so that's my form of the destructors. Okay. Two right. planets, squishing ours at the same time. I think that Boom would be... goes the dynamite. Yeah, if I gotta go, I would go like that. Alright, fair enough. Next question. Anthony Petrie asks, which special effects in film from the 80s and 90s have truly stood the test of time? Alright. Ah, perfect. Dusted Rhodes! Yes. My man! 
a legend. Son of a plumber. Also a Texas legend. Heck, yeah. Wrestling in the woods. Can't beat that. All right. I, I mean, I, I think it might be kind of obvious to listeners of our show, but like American Werewolf in London, the transformation. Yeah, I mean, that still amazing. is one of the coolest things I've ever seen. It looks... And, oh, it makes turning into a werewolf look so painful and un- you just don't, I mean, God, the way his foot stretches, the way he's screaming the whole time, uh, that was wicked stuff. And when that wolf snout comes out of his mouth, uh, I mean, it was like, you don't want to be a werewolf in that film. That was no, not fun. It definitely looks like puberty turned up to 100,000. Yeah. So that, I mean, I can watching that now, you're still cringing and just feeling that pain. And oh, and it's so believable. It looks so real. Like there's no uh, kind of corny 80s, you know, nah, not happening. That's That holds up. That was awesome. You know, I'm going to go, I have two. Uh, I don't think you could go wrong with um, uh, not they live. I don't think you could go wrong with the thing. Oh, the effects of the yes. thing. Like, yes, do they look dated? Can you tell that they're of another time? Yeah, but they still hold up. They still they still draw you into that world that they're creating, you know? I think they look um, real, like totally real. I think that's, they, yeah, there's no break gruesome from... Gruesome uh, and creepy. Yeah, you don't, it doesn't break yeah. your, your disbelief. Yeah. But also, just because I mentioned it earlier, Terminator 2. Yeah. Because of yeah. how selective they were with their effects, they still work. That scene where he, like... The T-1000 is is disguising himself as a part of the floor, you know? And then all of a sudden, you just see the floor, you know, that checkered floor sort of come together, and you realize he's been, like, masquerading as it. It's great. Yeah. Just solid effects. Really, really smart usage of them. And I think that smart usage of them is really what helps keep – have it sort of hold the test of time. Yeah, it's a great choice. Right. Next question. Jessica asks, do IMDb peer ratings destroy potential views for indie film in that they always seem to be rated quite low despite being good? I.e. an example being films like The Ritual, which only received a rating of 6 out of 10, even though it was something new and fresh, which people always scream for. I don't know. Uh, for independent films, I might, I might say that like Rotten Tomatoes does more damage than IMDb. You think so? Yeah. But um, I don't know. I think a lot of people know that even you know even when it comes to those kind of film ratings where it's like uh what do you call that like the difference between like a, a critic and a, like it's um like a mob rating i guess you might call it where it's sure, like the whole yeah, internet's uh-huh. voting and stuff i think people still know that you know we all have our own tastes uh i i can't think of a time when i wanted to see a film and then i saw a rating and went oh i better not you know if i if i'm interested i'll just watch it yeah i think you know those sites I mean, look, I don't, I don't give a lot of value to uh, IMDb ratings at all because I've just seen them fabricated so many times. And also, even Rotten Tomatoes, like, a lot of film critics are really not good at their jobs, in my opinion. Right. Like, yeah. a lot of people have gotten um, a lot of clout for being negative and shitting on other people's artistic endeavors. So, you know, like, I, sure, I maybe, maybe that they're, they're, they, they negatively impact in, indie films. But uh, that's why it's incumbent upon you to use reputable sites or at least sites that have similar taste to you so that you feel like their recommendation is a valid one. And like bloodydisgusting.com is a great example of that. Brad mm-hmm. Miska, John Squires, like those guys are so good at what they do that um, generally speaking, if they recommend something, I think it's worth checking out. And then also have a community of peers that like movies similar to you. Um, you know, and then that way you're not reliant on 
what you read on the interwebs, you can just go to go to the source of some good people who got a good taste. Right on. Uh, so don't bother with those things. Moving on. Leah Martin-Brown asks, what do you think about the upcoming remake of Little Shop of Horrors? Who would you cast? Oh, that's a good question. Are they doing a musical again? Is it, I it's guess so. Like it's, I didn't even know I it was coming. I hadn't heard about it, but... Yeah. Uh, wow, another Little Shop that's of Horrors. That's why we have community. Okay. Learn new things. Uh, shit, I don't know. It's probably going to be... I mean, honestly, man, it's. I figure it's probably going to be about as cool as that uh, Fox remake of uh, Rocky Horror Picture Show. Oh, no, give that? it some credit. We don't. Yeah, that was like that was Dude, made for TV movie. I, yeah, you know, like let's let's assume that's good I mean, intention. Let's think positive. These, these days, they just go for those American Idol people and like throw them in. No, there. that's that's a broad miscategorization. You don't think I it's mean, gonna like, happen like that? No, listen. I mean, there have been great musicals. Like aside from Cats, The Miserable was great. Uh, the Greatest Show on Earth. What was it? Greatest Showman. Whatever that movie with Hugh Jackman was. Hmm. Uh, Into the Woods. There's been some great musicals that have come out lately. So well, let's, who would you like to let's see? think positive. Who would you okay. like to see? All right. Well, who? Well, we got to first start with the crazy doctor, right? And the, the uh, dentist. You mean the uh, dentist? Sorry, yeah, the dentist. Yeah, uh, Steve, Martin Steve Martin played him. Jack uh, Nicholson played him. Yeah. Because remember, the the Rick Moranis version is a remake. Right? That's right. Yeah. Original yeah. original version had Jack Nicholson. So I'm gonna go with Johnny Depp. I think Johnny Depp has proven that he's got some vocal chops. And he can certainly play Zany well. And I think that he needs a little bit of a comeback vehicle. And I think that he would really sink his teeth into this. Pun fully intended. There you go. the dentist. I could see that. Uh, let's see. I guess for the lead role, the, the Rick Moranis role, um, there was a show called um, Daybreakers that was out on Netflix, uh, kind of a post-apocalyptic show and um the, the lead in that was pretty good i don't know his name but he, if he can sing maybe him <laughs> what do you think about uh like uh justin long is he too old now yeah i think so uh, well rick moranis he kind of portrayed as like a mid-30s in the show in the movie i don't know if he was but it kind of felt like that so that might work um who could be the plant though that's the big one yeah the singer of Alabama Shakes, man, that's a hell of a voice and a rocking sound. Uh, All right. She oh. could be Audrey too. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. But Dude. hey, I got an even better suggestion. What you got? Because the person who asked this question, Leah Martin Brown, is quite the accomplished singer herself. Lead singer of the band Evil Walks. So why don't why doesn't Leah play Audrey too? Wow. Breakout star. She's got a killer like Janis Joplin-esque voice. Have you ever heard Leah sing? No, I have not heard her band. No, or her I'll, I'll send it to you, man. You'll dig it, man. It's Thanks. Good. All right, cool. Yeah. Good old rock and roll. So that's our choice, Leah. You play Audrey too, and we're going to have high hopes for it. And fingers crossed. Jessica also asks, why do people always scream for new ideas and hate the idea of Hollywood reboots, yet refuse to take a chance on indie cinema, instead opting to pay to see more pre-sold franchises like Marvel and Star Wars? Yeah, people do that. <laughs> they yeah, they want that. they want something that's a safe bet, but they uh, somehow want it to be something new. Also, um, dude, that is uh, I don't know, but if you could figure out how to get around that and get people to stop doing that with a uh, some kind of movie idea or something you've got, like well, that, whoever does that will be very successful. Yeah, I mean, look, I think part of it's like going to the movies is expensive. You know, we've talked about this a bunch of times. You know, you spend. 18 bucks on a ticket here in Los Angeles. So if there's two of you going, it's 36 bucks. Parking is guaranteed to be between probably around $6. Yeah. Right. 
you know i, I, I feel like even two. even like my time like that's like like i'm i'm good like the there's drive. there's movies i've been interested in that i just haven't gone to see because they're like three and a half hours long and i'm just going nah you know no that's too much of my i think time. one of the things i think one of the things that could really help would be i think that movie tickets should be sold at scale you know like so, sure 18 bucks for your big blockbuster fine but like some little indie de- uh, some little indie darling how about 10 bucks uh, i mean if they could do that yeah you see that kind of that kind of thing going on in um video games like indie releases are, are cheaper yeah yeah that that's yeah. something like that like that could work but yeah you're right it's it is expensive it's a it's an investment in money an investment in time it's um it's and you only have so many opportunities to you know so yeah. you have to pick the right movie and then you end up in the wrong one and you're like ah crap what a waste but i don't know as far as like why people keep demanding new things but the same things like what they i i think that's just uh it's that's a hard formula to create and um i i think it's i i don't know it might it might not even be it might just be that people know that like if you can convince someone that hey this is something new but familiar but but new in a way that you're going to like it you're going to sell more tickets to that kind of thing so people keep trying to do that and it's just a hard thing to do so they that's why the reviews are so bad you know and i think also like people it, it it's a loud world you know this is a loud world we're one of a billion film film podcast out there you know you have a lot of options on what you what you ingest as far as media is concerned and sometimes those indie films just don't have the reach and the voice to get above the noise to get above the 50 fucking marvel films that come out a year and so like this is why platforms like joe bob briggs last drive-in and hopefully us on a smaller scale and you know, uh, other mo- other other platforms like that, bloodydisgusting.com, Shudder. That's why these things are so important because if not for a show like The Last Drive-In and for Shudder, I would not have seen one cut for the dead. Yeah. One cut even, of the dead. Even have heard of it. Or even have heard of it. Yeah. Would never, I didn't. No I idea what he was talking about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so, you know, like, unfortunately, the reality of it is there's so much noise in the world and people are unsatisfied by these big blockbusters a lot of the time. It's like fast food. It serves the purpose. You might even really enjoy it in the moment, but you just kind of get left feeling with that unsatisfied gut feeling. Right. And, um, and uh, you know, but it's convenient and it's there and you see it a billion times, the giant signs poking out high above everyone. And so that's why you're drawn to it. But uh, there is great indie out there support indie film it's so important because the indie film makers of today are the big blockbuster makers of tomorrow and uh every once in a while you get someone i've I've mentioned him twice before why not three times you get a james gunn sneak in you know Mm -hmm. and he makes something really really cool and and unique with like guardians of the galaxy so um I, i think i think people want it i just think they don't know where to find it and so it's up to us to highlight and showcase those indie films so that they get the much deserved attention that they need. Absolutely. Well, do we have any more questions or anything else we need to we, get to? We, we don't have any more questions. I want to thank everyone for listening. Uh, I want to thank, um, you know, I want to thank shutter for all the great content that they provide for us. I want to thank Joe Bob Briggs for all the, the, the great indie films he brings to our attention. I want to thank the people on Twitter who got angry because your voice matters too. 
we'll do a little bit better finding a way to express it, but your voice matters all the same. You don't have to have a famous TV show to have a valid voice. Uh, and I think that as I look around this very cool virtual environment, we should think big screen. Yeah, big screen is awesome. Uh, we we still haven't read the end user li- end user license agreement, and we still not quite sure if we're allowed to do this. But Dave well, said they that he did us. get a he did yeah Dave said that they retweeted us recently, so we'll just kind of pretend that's an approval for now. But um, man, if you haven't if you have VR and you haven't tried big screen yet, check it out. This is so much fun. Like this is not this is not all you can do with it. It's not just like hanging out in the woods with your friend watching a movie. You right. can, Which is dope, I mean, though. you can just go hang out in the lobby and talk film with other people and throw popcorn at each other and just like That's make right. jokes. <laughs> and you can go uh, to other people's, uh, you know, people have open rooms where they're watching 3D movies or watching wrestling clips or whatever. And you can go in and meet people and talk with them. It's like a, it's weird. It's like this big, uh, almost like a, like a big um, hotel or something full of rooms. You could just visit and meet people and watch things. Um, some of them. <laughs> Well, As Dave I, found out, not appropriate for for children. That's uh, right. But, but Be for the most part, it's pretty safe and it's pretty fun. But it does and, have child. Um, it does have child parental controls. Yes. So if you got a kid watching, if you or if you don't want to see the the NSFW content, which is rare anyhow, also, yeah. there there are parental controls. So, um, but you know, like we're in this quarantine time, and a lot of us, especially us film geeks, like we miss going to the movies. I miss going to the new Beverly so much yeah you know it's owned by quentin tarantino they always show everything in 35 millimeter it's walking distance from my house i miss that really really badly but you know what i'm making the most of it and apps like big screen really allow us to get that communal filmmaking or film watching experience from the safety of our home until things get a little bit more uh safe for us to go out yeah and one one of the coolest things though is big big screen is free it's totally free to use but if you want to, you can buy tickets to uh, movies that they show. And yeah, that is something that ones. I found is, is really cool. They have some great stuff showing. And like one of the things I don't like is going to the movies, watching 3D movies. I, I don't like putting on the glasses. I get that headache, you know, and yeah, um, you don't give me a headache. Yeah. The 3D movies in big screen, you're watching them through your VR headset. So it's like true stereoscopic. So you don't get that headache and they're like really high quality streams and it's just a few bucks. So that's a really cool thing you can do too. It's just like, it's a really cool program. And so we, we've been having a lot of fun using it. And so if you haven't tried it yet, check it out. Yeah. And I know it sounds like we're probably doing an ad or something, but they no. don't actually know we're doing this yeah. outside, of, <laughs> outside of that retreat. They know now, yeah. I guess. It probably sounds um, like but we're, we try, do, we're trying to garner their favor just in case. Right. <laughs> but, I mean, we do but want some swag. Like, you know, we, we, that's I, I what we do with this, po- this podcast. We recommend cool shit to people who like movies. Yeah, that's that's exactly it. We talk this, about stuff you know, we love. Yeah. If we just use this and didn't recommend it, we'd be doing you a disservice. So check it out. Yeah. So if you, if you have, if you, if you have the luxury of having, uh, VR glasses of any sort. Check to see. Look online to see what what VR glasses uh, big screen supports. But uh, if you do have any of the Oculuses and you kind of miss that experience of seeing a movie with others, look into it because it's very cool. It's in its beta stage yeah. right now, so it's still growing and getting better. And uh, yeah, yeah, we're we're having a good time doing this. You know, so we're having I, a good uh, time bringing this show to you from this sort of virtual environment. Yeah, it's any headset, really. It's on Oculus Go, Oculus Quest, Oculus Rift. Uh, if you got HTC Tokyo Drift. Vive, uh, if you, you know, Steam VR, uh, Viveport. Steampunk. Um, like all, all of the uh, the VR things have it. It's, it's kind of out there. So, yeah, man, look into it. 
So thank you, Big Screen, for uh, knowingly or unknowingly letting us use your environment to share our love of cinema and film and indie filmmaking and art in general because it's what we do it for. We just do it because we love it. And we hope you guys enjoy it and that we've brought you something that has made your day a little bit more enjoyable, maybe opened your eyes to a few things you weren't quite aware of. And again, can't recommend enough. One Cut of the Dead mm-hmm. is the movie to see this week. Get yourself some popcorn and wine and whatever else and treat yourself to a really amazing experience. One Cut of the Dead, Troma's War, Shudder. Last drive Old WWF uh, videos if you're watching us on YouTube. Well, I think that's enough show for today. So I think Dave and I are going to go ahead and get back to our, uh, our our movie in the woods, which has turned into, I think it's WrestleMania 7. I, so, <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, I see Jake the Snake up there talking mad shit. So let's see what he has to say. But uh, you guys enjoy Hell yourselves. Yeah. Thanks for checking out. Think uh, Thanks for checking out the Grindhouse podcast, tuning in, all that stuff. And until next time, adios. You're listening to the Grindhouse Podcast on the We Keep Forgetting to Organize an Outro Network. Please follow us on Instagram at Grindhouse Podcast and listen to us every Monday on iTunes, SoundCloud, and now on Spotify.